from Kurtco Media. I want to make designers with the ability to dream. I want to make them inventors. That was the voice of Alexander Klott, our guest today on Cars That Matter. This is Cars That Matter. This is Robert Ross. Welcome to another episode of Cars That Matter. Uh, We're going to have some fun today talking about the present and the future of the extreme car world with my guest, Alexander Klott. Alexander is chief creative officer with a company called Automobili Estrema, a brand new mark that we're going to be hearing a lot about in the near future. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Robert. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Of course, what our audience can't see is your environ, which is actually here in California. You're down in beautiful Laguna Niguel. It all sort of begs the question, what does that have to do with an Italian car company? And wait a minute, you're German. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. So we're going to have some fun finding out. Automobile Estrema just unveiled an automobile called the Fulminia at a live event that was kind of zoomed in from the Turin Automobile Museum, which is the home to the design community in Italy, as we know. And of course, listeners are going to ask, what is a Fulminia? Well, all I can say is that it's pretty remarkable. It's an all-electric 2040 horsepower hypercar. It doesn't look like anything else I've ever seen, and it's probably about to send lightning bolts through the whole electric vehicle firmament. So that was your work. Tell us a little bit about the founding of Automobili Estrema, and I guess that was recent, wasn't it? 2020? It was 2020. Partially inspired through networking with former colleagues or former individuals I know in the automotive industry. But also, as we all know, we were locked at home and still had the passion to do and create something and turned more and more virtual. And I connected back with Gianfranco Pizzuto, who I met in I think 2008 in Detroit Auto Show when I just started with Henrik Fisker to start up Fisker Automotive. That was a bold move back then. That was before any Tesla had even seen the light of day practically. Their little roadster wasn't even out yet. Especially for me, it was a bold move because I just finished my 18th year's anniversary working with BMW. And I came to California with BMW and the company wanted to have me back to bring all my explorative nature back to Munich. And I decided to stay in California. So the bold move was like a lightning bolt move to the electric world. At the time, I think no one, including myself, knew what is plug-in turning into and how much energy density from the fossil fuels we still wanted to use and how much electric energy can we transport in an automobile and how can we set an automobile build up that includes all of this. So it was dramatic. So you were not only an early adopter, you were absolutely out in the front line and in many ways continue to be with the Fulminia, which is sort of the most extreme expression of what an electric vehicle can be. So tell us about your role with Estrema, Automobile Estrema. It sounds pretty Italian to me. And it's very Italian. And I tell you also, Gianfranco Pizzuto was the first angel investor into Fisco Automotive. It had nothing to do with me, Hendrik and Barney Kuller. Franco found them and invested. I met him in 2008 when he 
was in Detroit. He was there with the launch of the Karma first time, but with the prototype. And I know him since then. So I know him over 13 years or more. And, and at some point, we lost overview. I think on Facebook, we here and there see what the families are doing. But I saw that Franco is quite active in finding a team together to start some. And at some point, I said, Franco, if you want an interior for this dream you're doing, just let me know. And he said, oh, Alex, right? Like, oh, oh my God, how could I forget? And we started talking. And out of the talk was more discussion and debate. And it was not just design. It was building a brand, making electric propulsion systems the core of something strong, pushing Italy forward being trusted. And Franco has that reputation over the last 15 years that he fights for the electric of the world, reducing the pollution. And he's really a trusted source internationally. And I said like, okay, so let's just do it. And that started around fall time, October-ish last year, where I proposed to him a process of how we get through this. And part of this was understanding the brand identity, the values, what that be, a style identity identity with it. So a brand identity combined with a style identity, because think about it. With Fisk Automotive, Henrik made this beautiful automobile. I filled into the interior and that was it. And because we all made the decisions, it was almost unnecessary to write a brand identity of what that is because we made the decision. So we're very authentic in that building the brand. Now with Franco, he's very authentic and he's Italian. I'm authentic of what I know and what I do, but I'm a German, like you said. I'm living in California so far away. And so I proposed to him, let's just do this the right way. And with that setup, it needs Italian car designers. I don't want to fake this in through me. I at the leadership so that there will be an excellent automobile execution happening. And I will guide the styling, but let's start with the concept. And so we were start searching for designers in Italy. And it's, of course, where the, all the stylists are. And we were particularly looking for a design house, which is not really working in the industry of automobiles, like not Pininfarina. What a brilliant move, because it lets someone take a bird's eye view. It means this designer can get up to 20,000 feet and see the whole landscape. They're not pigeonholed into one genre of design or one segment of the design. They can think about all kinds of ideas. Right. And when you think of Pininfarina, I love Pininfarina and Sergio and back in the days. And I talked with Mr. Ramachati back in the days when I proposed to work with them. I was, of course, with Pininfarina and I love the purity and the elegance. Pininfarina always had that style expression. And I'm so driven by authentic brand value. So for me, it needed to be this. But in the moment you choose one of them, so Ital Design is now owned by VW, I guess, still. Bertona, I don't even know if it's Chinese or what happened. It's Chinese, but it's a ghost of its former self. Right. And Pininfarina lost all their main designers to Ferrari, Centro Stile. Because all these guys have come in-house. I mean, if our audience doesn't know, I mean, Ferrari is in-house, Maserati's in-house, Lamborghini's in-house. Exactly. So who would you choose? And so we were looking and we found Epta Design. I honestly haven't heard from them before. And it was Epta Design is a very small studio around Luigi Memola. And he works more conceptual, like concept design, like Hollywood, like movies, video games. He creates 
awesome, brutal kind of conceptual vehicles I love. And when I saw what he was doing, I said, like, that's the one I want to work with. And so we briefed him what we were looking for. He pulled in another designer he knew, Alessandro Fini, and both proposed how this is typically in the industry, their belief what Automobili Estrema's product could be. But they didn't really, I'm not even sure at the time if we are solidly on a name of our brand. We just said like, we want to do this. It's electric. It's a hypercar, la la. And they started approaching this and we said, it has to be Italian. It has to look Italian. And so they're enthusiastic by themselves. Italian, I mean, Bella Macchina in every corner, right? And so they started and we chose Alessandro Fini's concept because it was even more conceptual. They hate always when I say this, but but it looked like a Batmobile, an Italian Batmobile. It had fins and wings and sharpness and the stealth fighter looks was just unreal. And I said, Franco, that's it. I convinced the team this is it the name we were like throwing around is Estrema that's the design and let's now work on the logo the details and so we came up with a and this is I tell you this it was really so unique it was more extreme from a really white piece of paper. What Hendrik defined already what the logo is going to be because it was coach built before. It was Fiske coach built and they had the logo, took this over. There was so much more known. The name was clear. And then with Franco now, we had the chance to make it whatever we believe in. Consulting business, what I do is working with Hyperloop is a challenge in different levels. Or if I work on a vertical takeout lift of vehicle, there's challenges everywhere. But to get the opportunity, Franco was so open. He said like, Alex, I want to do the whole nine yards. I know you. I trust you blindly. I want with you to create this all. So we started creating with Luigi and Alessandro. They started sketching on the automobile. Then we found the name Estrema. Then for me, it was important to have the lightning bolt somehow in there because that is the strongest symbol. Everybody knows about the electrification. And because of my belief of authentic location and the location is for me in a brand so important like Porsche is in Weissach and BMW is in Munich. It's so important. The influence is so strong. I said like, this is Italy. And so let's make this Italian. And so the lightning bolt got the tricolori. The Azzurro Savoia became the background. There was a lot of cool ideas around the emblem. Because when I create a logo, the automotive sophistication always starts with the emblem on the car and then turns into something more graphic for other users. We It was so cool. Everybody involved in that virtual community of Automobile Estrema, we had weekly reviews of the progress in all aspects. The technology, the company, the brand, the visualization of things, the design, and always on a so trusted way as if I know all of those individuals for such a long time. But I only knew Franco really in and in, but I think he set the floor right and he set the table right that, yeah, everything's possible and let's do it. And it was that let's do it like spirit we all have in the culture. And I said, hey, guys in engineering, you say if some, if you see something which is crap, just say it now. Now we can change it. We can find a solution. Not at the end, it's like when we're done, it's like, well, I need more exhaust air in the rear to get the heat all out. I said, Paul, say it now. And we do it. It's like, yeah, I need more air in the rear. It's like, then please say it. And we cut big holes in the rear and make it skinny like it looks today because it's an ultra and a full media fast automobile. 
And Fulminia, by the way, means blitzschnell in Germany or lightning fast in English. And I learned it myself. And I had to learn to pronounce it because I always pronounced it Fulminia. And I said, no, 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 no. Alec, you said authentic Italian, right? Like it's Fulminia. Fulminia. Okay. I'm glad you sorted that out for us because I'm having visions of Lancia names. And of course, that's a whole different thing. And so the beauty is, Robert, I wanted to create the logo and I wanted to create the Fulminia badge on the side for the name. I want to do all this. And I did it. And I, and I throw it back over to Roberto because Roberto Olivo is awesome and enthusiastic. He's your COO. Is that right? Yes, exactly. He has an industrial design background, an engineering background, a marketing background. He is also like all over in the experience was designer and everything is so cool. So he points and sees certain things on a car where I sort of like, oh, or I saw it also. Let's just fix it. And then he helps me pipe it through. And so it's just such a good culture. And I love it because not just I wanted to live and work in Italy at the beginning of my career. It seems almost like <laughs> good karma is coming to me that we do this together with Gianfranco and we do good karma. It is just awesome. It's so gratifying to hear a creative officer get so excited about these whole collaborative endeavors and really it's all i guess it is like being the georg schulte of the orchestra or whatnot and just conducting all these wonderful things and having an opportunity to really push boundaries and get the very best out of your collaborative efforts i wrote down a quote actually when i was watching the presentation earlier uh, the launch of the car and your ceo franco said everyone is betting on a particular technology but then he said we believe in beauty and that is the common ground. This will be our leitmotif. Now, that's got to be music to your ears. It is. And I think Franco means it. He invested first a lot of his money into Fisker Automotive because of his belief and excitement about the beautiful automobile he saw. Not because of some technology, but he believed in the electrification. At the time, nobody really knew what technology, what battery chemistry will be successful or available. But he believed in beauty at the first place. And I think also with the term karma, what we always understood is if you do good things, you will be rewarded at some point. I think it is, he really lives it. And I lived it throughout my whole life with Fisk and beyond because I really believe in collaboration. Talking about authenticity and the fact that this is an Italian car, at least in terms of its ultimate origin and the place it'll be manufactured and Motor Valley right there, you know, alongside Lamborghini and Ferrari and Maserati and Pagani and name your poison. You know, it's interesting. Interesting. Yesterday, Lamborghini just announced, Stefan Winkelmann talked about the future of the brand, how hybridization and eventually electrification will come very quickly. On my way to work today, Ford is announcing their new electric F-150 pickup. And boy, isn't it interesting how the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle are coming together fast. I don't think any of us would have bet, certainly not gambled the farm two years ago, even a year ago, that automakers would get on board this mandate so quickly. Now, granted, it's all forced by government initiatives and worldwide political pressure. And ultimately, it's not a bad thing to have cleaner air. So it's inevitable. But I don't think anybody would have imagined that some of these companies would be embracing the future so quickly. You talk about zero to 60. This is like zero to 60 days they've embraced this, it almost seems. And of course, this is exactly what you started out to do from the beginning with Automobile Estrema. You hit the nail on the head, Robert. Electric propulsion, like I said, is for me, nothing new. 
And a car designer, in the days when I designed the 3 Series, when I started in 1992 working on the new 3 Series, which got brought into the market in Germany in 1998. And by the way, I had a 1995 M3 that I just dearly loved. And I've been a BMW fan from the beginning. Nobody knows who buys in 1998 that the designers worked since 1992, like for six years, on their car. So now this product need to run in a family. There's the coupe and the convertible and all this for altogether about 10 years, at least in the market successfully with life cycle facelifts and other things. So the designer in 1992 need to make sure that it's still attractive and timeless 15 years from when he creates it. So that's why designers live in the future. We need to live in the future. We need to smell it, feel it. We need to perceive the changes which are coming. And that's why we started in BMW really to turn to electric vehicle on the standing in 2002 with our skunk works in California because there was the mandate in state of California to collect zero emission points. Nobody knew what the points are or if they could trade it in or, you know, like all the smart people figured stuff out. But since then, it was mandated by California very strong that this is the future and we will reward the ones which take on the challenge. And we launched in 2012. The conceptual work from an i3 took 11 years because BMW cannot make anything wrong. They have to go through their validation processes and testing and they have to come up, is that a new brand or how they market it successfully beside of a 3 sir. There's a lot to consider and a lot of damage which can happen, right? Yes, you're right that it's incredible that the OEMs and now supercar brands switch over because they have to. The technology becomes as light as a combustion engine package with a 12-cylinder high output with a transmission to it. It is on the weight level of how the heaviest component now, the, the storage system in the electric space, is becoming. And it shrinks. We show with the solid-state battery pack, which is cost like as much as a supercar today, that this is laboratory level. We want to bring the laboratory level of new to people who have the wells who want to own one of those. Back in Tora Bugatti days where he said, I don't care. I want to win. I want to have the best and good looking technology, technic constructions to win against the others. And he made it. And just because how he grew up was influenced by aesthetics from his dad and the brother. So he made everything he created beautiful. And he's one of my biggest idols of any machine can look fascinating. Why does it have to look like, oh, like an engineer made it? And this is already wrong term, but I am an engineer. I always feel like I, I can say it. I'm part of that community. <laughs> like, why can't we do it? And I think we're at the edge of the step of challenging really 12 cylinders to the ground. Elon showed that a Model S and any cars he shows, that Model 3 challenges all the combustion engine cars to the ground. In so many aspects, not just in acceleration, to so many. We recuperate energy and we can use it. What is a Lamborghini recuperating? Like polluted air or, or I don't know. And by the way, how many moving parts are in any reciprocating engine versus the powertrain of an electric car? And now I give you another one. And I believe it's the Achilles heel. The Achilles heel is weight. The Achilles heel for Ferrari and Lamborghini is the weight. In racing, it's the weight. 
how late can I break and that thing is still turning around when I need it, right? With every high-speed breaking down, you have so much energy. I mean, look at the disc, they're burning. You can take the energy and use it to go on. I mean, look at the Formula One, right? A Formula One car from the 90s would have no chance against the curse system and everything what the guy's doing today. And I love Formula One, by the way. But here is that what we believe. Franco and I, we don't want to wait until Ferrari or Lamborghini or Pagano, any one of those who have the means to do really those cars, use the technology which is available to beat others. I mean, I'm Enzo said, like, I don't want to build cars for the street. I want to win on the track. I built my house here. I want to have the circle. I mean, we have that spirit in Automobile Streamer. That's why we call it a streamer. Because from our looking around us, it seemed that what we were talking about and what we just believe what's possible is a stream for the world. And we call it a streamer. And we want to be at the spare front of bringing newest technology to for lightweighting, for shrinking components, for using the energy out of the braking and out of this into the relationship of a human being with a machine, into this exciting driving this car. And, and, and the second Achilles heel is, and I know it, for a supercar owner, a supercar brand, the thrilling sound to turn on a 12th cylinder, high output 12th cylinder, and then... And all of this, which reminds me always on a predator, a dinosaur, like a tiger, or this fear of what it does to our perception. We're going to miss it with electric cars. And I said, like, no, we don't have to. We just have to develop an audio. We did this with Franco, with, with Hendrik. We gave the karma its own distinct sound signature. The audio sound. Remember, when you're in the dark and you don't know your traffic light and, and the car market pulls up, you hear it's a car, you don't have to look. So there's identity. We will, for Fulminia and for all of our cars, we will create an audio signature. We were the first, now everybody's talking about it, BMW and everybody does do their sound exploration, that your skin gets chilled by, oh my God, this electric vehicle that, oh my God where the predators from the past are still great, and, 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 and I love them. When they were analog instruments, the needle going up and down and, and, and raffing, that was cool. But with a display, you can create graphic art and motion graphic, what you cannot do with an analog display. And so if you replicate only the graphic of a dumb Speedo, it's not authentic and it's just limited, then it's dumb. But if you create in a way that it's a wonder in front of you, like, oh my God, look at, wow, that's what you can do with G-Force and speed and, and recuperative energy. When that becomes entertaining, and yes, I live in Hollywood, and yes... I know um, sometimes it goes too far, but that's the beauty what we're looking for. Exciting automobiles where you live to have a relationship. You, you spend the money to have a relationship with that beast. And that's what we create, a relationship. I tell you, and, and I'm making the whole team in Automobile Extrema nervous right now. I want to bring clutch shifting with a hand. I want to have the left foot and the right hand back active with electric power. And they all look at, how do you want to do it? We don't need it. It's like, well, I want it for the relationship because when I drive my 550 Porsche Spider, I don't do my emails or texts. I don't look for it. When I drive a Karma, I did. I made my emails already before I was back at the headquarters. But with my 550, no. 
I don't have the time to look and I need to shift and manual and I have the sound and it's open and it's just like we want to do this back. And that's why I talked about the romance of the automobile, the elegance, the sensation, the balance, the perception. We have six senses in us. The six is the motion sensor of how our body gets accelerated. And I think I'm the only one saying this. But how cool is it to work in a creation to stimulate, conduct it to all six senses? in a new way. Hold on to that thought. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome to Life Done Better. Listen to the weekly episodes where supermodel and health coach Jill DeYoung talks to some of the world's most inspiring women in health and wellness. It's the place for all the unicorns who strive to create a life on their own terms. Join us to explore, discover, and create a life done better together. Listen and subscribe from Kurt Co. Media, media for your mind. Welcome back to Cars That Matter. Let's pick up where we left off. This authenticity is really something that I want to remark on again. You're starting with a blank slate. You created a car that, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. I mean, the elephant in the room is the fact that this is a 2,040 horsepower vehicle, or at least equivalent in terms of its battery output. It'll do 200 miles an hour in less than 10 seconds. You project a range of about 325 miles. And by the way, it'll cost well over $2 million, which I guess is the price of entry for any so-called hypercar these days. We'd imagine that technology would trickle down as you guys start to design some offshoots and little baby brothers and sisters to the Fulminia. But it's the authenticity that it started life as an EV. And I see challenges, you know, faced by obviously the other companies that end in I, Ferrari, Lamborghini. I mean, they're known for V12s or a V10 or a V8 if you have to, but it's really a V12 concept. And certainly they're going to be authentic to their mission of super high performance. And they'll always be a Ferrari, will always be a Ferrari and a Lamborghini, will always be a Lamborghini, but it won't be a V12 Ferrari and it won't be a V12 Lamborghini. And therein lies the challenge. How do you really remain authentic when the DNA, to use a much overused term, is in fact the essence of your engine, your drivetrain. But you're authentic because you're starting from scratch. And by the way, you're developing a a one-to-one scale slot car, which is about as exciting as you can drive just based on its blistering performance. When are we going to see this car actually come to market? And how many of you guys plan to build? Franco has a relation to the number 61 because it's his birth year. And he said, and it's so funny, he always said like, no, it should be uh, what about 61? <laughs> or he says like, oh, shouldn't we have like a signature series or someone says in the team like, what about a signature series? And it's always like this Azuro, Zavoya paint and stuff. He's like, all right, let's make six plus one. And then it's, well, that would be seven. No, it's six plus one. You know, so he's funny. We will do 61. The 61, the number 61 will be his because also in the Karma, he has a signature series and engraved in the interior on the glass plate there is uh, number 61 for Frank. He knew it at the beginning when he invested. So that's his relation. So we're going to build 61. We already think of what other... I'm out of this world. We all are out of this world. What else could we do? But, and this is the cool part in our team. Each of us is extreme in their thinking. 
in the engineering world, in the battery world, in the operational world, how could we work together with Roberto and Franco in figuring out who should be partner with us and how can we form a partnership. So it's awesome. We really, with the engineering with Paul, we really see... We are excited about a laboratory. So Automotive Estrema is maybe in a Hollywood movie. It's like, like this crazy professors in a lab, which half of the time almost kill themselves with experimenting. And so we are going to, we will create prototypes for the purpose of understanding the crazy ideas we have in our heads and in our hearts. We're all going to make sure we're too long in this to not kill ourselves in this. But that's why I said a clutch, the shifting of 2,000 horsepower, we need to figure out what that is. But we believe there is something crazy with it. And it's so extreme that we want to do it and we're going to test it. So in that testing, we're going to discover where maybe there's other types of vehicles where other extreme ideas would fit better than into a two-seater, very fast automobile. There might be others. And I don't want to say too much, but we are very open and we are quite experienced and we're crazy. So I think it's the laboratory that excites me the most to research. It's really researching what's possible. What's really possible, we are not shy to involve high-tech, like artificial intelligence. Incident, Franco, I think, shared in the press conference the collaboration with a very specific company approach. It's also an Italian. I think his last name is Martini. I'm a male. I like Martini, so this is what's stuck in my head. But <laughs> I, I want to meet him. I think Michael Martini? I don't know. I don't want to say anything wrong, but he's also extreme. You know, he, he worked on a NASA program and developed a self-learning program for NASA with NASA. So what I want to say is we are excited pioneers. We are experimental. And this is so different to all this OEM approach, because as we all know, all those pearls and jewels of brands from the past are owned today by big organizations and architecture of brands and constructions. And I mean, just look at Stellantis and the fallout from that particular unholy matrimony of misfits. And it seems to be the conclusion because of the investments are getting more and more. It's a high shift into a quite unpredictable future with autonomous and who will be the one who delivers or not and who's a customer really then and, and all of this. But for us, we just love to see the scientific application of existing new technology if it comes from a university. We don't want to do fundamental research, but what we do is we do applied research. And that's why our homeopathic amounts of vehicles we want to give to the fans of ours, which say like, I want to have one of that. I have to have this. We want to share this so we don't just do it for ourselves and find investors which help us to be extreme. No, we want to also bring them to this road, to the street that somebody can really have fun with it. And I was, since my BMW day, and I never really liked concept cars because you built them and then they go in the basement and nobody want to touch them. My heart beats for getting it on the road, having fun with it, improve it, getting it better, and make a statement in history. And and, and that's what we do right now with Automobile Estrema. And the Fulminia is our first lady. We'll be back in just a moment here on Cars That Matter. On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co. Media. We're back with Alex Plot on Cars That Matter. 
you've done a lot of things. Give us your resume. <laughs> Let me start with my naive idea to get into this world, what I spent now over 30 years in, was the idea of I wanted to create vehicles. I wasn't shy of aerospace or motorcycles or cars or trains or aircraft carriers. I was just excited about all of them. Early in my growing up, hiding away from society, I was building radio-controlled models, like the little RC models. And I was very hands-on, and I loved the packages of those little Revell models to glue them together. I draw, and so I was always hands-on. And I liked moving things. And at the time, my parents were not allowing me to have a combustion engine in those RC models. So thank God, it was the electric motor with the first battery cells, the nickel cadmium cells at the time. That brought me to the world of, okay, so what am I going to do later in my life? And I wanted to create them. And then in Germany, I had I did not find any resources. Remember, there was no computer. And I was engineering. It was machine bow, like mechanical engineering. I did not find that there's anything like industrial design at the time. And I know now today this was my ignorance. But I started mechanical engineering. Later in my life, when I came to California, I learned that, oh, German engineer, this is something special. I had no idea that this is special. But it gave me more, I learned more ways of expressing my ideas by drafting them out in three to four views. It didn't matter if it was an engine part or a body part. And so my imagination I had and my skill of drawing with my hands helped me to think things through and to put them on a white piece of paper. And I learned more and more that this is special because other colleagues and my professors said, like, you have a gift. This is very rare. But Nobody was telling me what a real car company is looking for or what the profession is going to be for someone like me. And I learned this when I graduated and I wanted to find a job in Italy. I went to, my dad helped me, he spoke Italian, and he helped me to ring the bell of Bertone. And I didn't get the chance to talk with Nucho. I met Chris Bengel first time there because I got an uh, I got a chance to interview with Chris Bengel at Centro Stile Fiat. But Giorgetto Giorgiaro, I spoke personally with, and he told me, oh, Alex, I see your portfolio, I see your engineering studies, but you're not really meat and you're not really a fish. You're something in between. And our studio is too small. When I need a stylist, I call somebody from Art Center. If I need an engineer, I call one of our engineering programs or hire somebody from there. So you are in between. You need to go to a large auto manufacturer to figure out what you want to do. I said, okay, so let me send out all my <laughs> my resumes and stuff. So, so the Italian dream was kind of melted down or like, okay, they're all little studios. You know, we should remind them though that uh, Leonardo da Vinci was half artist, half engineer as well. So it, it is possible for that formula to work out pretty well. <laughs> my confidence was just there. I can be a designer. I can draw. I can model. I showed it. I, you know, I'm an engineer. I understand more how to draft. A body part. So I was confident. I just went in there and I, f I got my first chance to get into my first job, which was with Mercedes-Benz. And it was in Sindelfingen. The person, Arno Jambor, I remember, he hired me. And he hired me as a studio engineer. And I had no idea what a studio engineer is, but it is a group 
of engineers living in the design studio environment to help the ideas and the dreams of designers to translate into engineering language and drawings and patterns and whatever. So here was Alex starting at Mercedes-Benz and my view was like, oh my God, Mercedes, this is just like the pinnacle and German engineering and all of this. How do I fit into this picture? It was funny. I was lucky and I got the chance to support the advanced designers, which dream about the future. And of course, a lot of unsolvable problems or ideas, which just excited me. I wrote actually my first patent at Mercedes because Mercedes was so about writing patents at the time. I made quite some money over the years, over, I think over 20 years or 18, 20 years. I made every year around three to $4,000 off of this patent. And the patent was about, I think it was the second patent for Mercedes about a rollover protection for convertibles. Ah, right, right, right. The little pop-up roll bars, yes. Right, it was that roll bar behind the rear seats. The one that came up on the SL500 back when. Exactly, the SL was the first. My one was the second one for the E-Class, for the CLK generation, because it had to be more simple. It had to be cheaper, of course. And 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 so thinking it through from a Mercedes-Benz safety engineer versus a young mechanical engineer who just thinks through it and doesn't apply all Mercedes knowledge, came up with a very simple solution by understanding what actually matters in that system. And it mattered that in a blank of a second, fulminia fast, this rollover bar has to shoot up as high as possible behind the rear occupants, as high as possible, and lock in. That was the requirement. And I understood it. I said, okay, so it doesn't really matter how it gets there as long as it's as fast as possible. The Mercedes engineer sort of like, oh, it has to be highly precise guidances up there. And it has to be shot up there and manufactured in highly hand-worked. No. So this went all the wrong way. I had huge gaps and tolerances. I just shot this thing up. It was pressed like like body parts. It was quite cheap. And my patent, they liked. They kept it for two generations. So that was my starting point was Mercedes. My heart was beating for BMW. I love the pioneering spirit from the old Fritz of doing engines for motorcycles and airplanes and cars at some point and this reinventing the company because of certain existential needs. I got an opportunity to support as a studio engineer the interior design team. And as obvious as it sounds, it wasn't because I thought like interior. Oh, right. Yeah. When I drive my car, there's an interior. Right. <laughs> there's not, Somebody just, has there's to... not just an orange crate with a pillow on it that you sit on. Till then, my whole thinking, even building RC models, it was always the outer experience, the components, the systems which get packaged inside. And yeah, in a car, there are several people in there and maybe they bring some luggage, but that was my interior thinking. And then I learned how beautiful the work in interiors is, the manufacturing techniques, the ergonomics, and BMW at the time known for all their cockpit, their reachability, every every element. Is. So it was just fascinating as an engineer. So I met with about 100 engineers there to talk to them about how they do this and that and stuff. And while I was doing the studio engineering work on supporting the designers, my boss, Thomas Platt, he saw that there is some energy in me and I wanted to do more. I wasn't just satisfied with studio engineering. I wanted to design automobiles and style them. So he gave me the chance out of competition 
to create a model, a clay model, a full-scale clay model of the dashboard, the doors, and the center console for the next three series at the time. And that was for the E46 three series. And how the odds wanted it, I won the competition. And Thomas Platz says, so Alex, don't think that you won it and that's done now. No, no, your challenge starts right now. And I said, like, wait a second. I mean, I do for nine months, nothing different than working in presentations to the board in the improvements and changes and whatever you want. I thought I'm done now. No, 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 no. Because now 100 engineers will tell you that it's not working. It's going to be too expensive. We cannot do this like this. There's suppliers. There's all of this. And I said, what? And then my former boss, Peter Rutz from the studio engineering, he told me, hey, Alex, you know, I don't have a studio engineer. You just made it into the design world. You're a studio engineer. You're the designer. You just don't need a studio engineer. You just talk directly with the engineers and sit in the meetings. So like, okay. And I did. So I worked with so many people. And, and that's why the message is I like to work with a lot of different people from different backgrounds. The interior designer is the only one who thinks about every little element in an interior, from the radio button over the dashboard top surface, about the ambient lighting pipe, the loudspeaker grills in the parcel shelf, the seat stitching, the comfort of the backrest. And I didn't know this because I was so full, but one engineer told me this was, Alex, I think yeah, like, you're the only one who composes all of this. And I said, like, oh, you're right. And the exterior design part of it is a very small group of individuals doing this. So I learned I like to work with a lot of people from different backgrounds. And from then on, wherever I was, I liked to cooperate. I like to collaborate and to invent together. Chris Bengel supported me in my next step to go to California to DesignWorks because he has the authority or he had the authority what's going on at DesignWorks, but not as a designer, but as a team leader on the engineering side on the engineering total vehicle architecture world. I recruited in Germany some advanced engineers out of different disciplines and motivated them to join me to create a skunk works in California to create new breeds of electric vehicles for the future. And of course, now we see that today with BMW's i3 and the i8, which was, of course, their first sort of wild sports car in that arena. We created crazy prototypes here about leaning vehicles because remember BMW had the motor, Motorrad, the, the motorbike brand? I absolutely remember that. And the car brand, and they re acquired the mini brand. So in terms of brand and I learned a lot about the brand identity and to design specifically for a brand. Like, for example, BMW made very clear, in BMW, the leaders made clear, I think it was Dr. Wright at the time, he said, like, the Mini cannot be the smallest BMW looking like a BMW. And, and the Rolls-Royce cannot be the largest BMW. It has to be a Rolls-Royce. So you guys need to figure this out, what that means. And I was part of it, figuring it out, what the perception and what the qualities are of a specific brand. I recruited several individuals, but it needed to be a very small, agile team and operation. And then we created several, remember the beautiful sunset, the Fiskar sunset, the Fiskar surf, which was like a shooting break on the same platform. And then the Atlantic. The Atlantic was basically the next best progressive step of an automobile. And it was more focused in the price range around $70,000 and, you know, what the Tesla Model S going to be potentially to, to hold against Elon. And so it was just awesome. We were just, Hendrik, I mean, Hendrik just that backbone of supporting any idea in design, design-driven company. I mean, what do you want more? A new American brand, styling-driven, 
and I was just dreaming the dream until it was done. There was reasons why it couldn't continue. And that brought me to Detroit, to the mecca of automotive industry in America. And I realized that maybe the better place to reinvent the automobile because you have all those international players of suppliers there. You have so much competent, talented individuals in all levels of engineering, marketing, branding, design, everything. And so I dreamed of to going to college for creative studies is just almost a different level of making an impact than if I would have joined Stuart and Jeff at, you know, and we talked and they hated that I went there because I was lecturing at the time at Art Center also. Is that right? Did Stuart Reed give you a ration for that? Oh, yeah. Stuart Bowles, Jeff, Jeff Waddle, and Stuart said like, Alex, what do we need to do to keep you here? You cannot go to CCA. Well, I said like, guys, I, I will, let me just take this as an opportunity and then let's collaborate. I mean, this is American design education. Why, why can't we do something together? And yes, Detroit needed that infusion because the biggest challenge Detroit has is, you know, people that get a little too comfortable in their cubicles sometimes. That was the time in around 2015 where things were different in Detroit. There was a lot of effort on a local level but also the, the whole Michigan state was looking for what is Michigan and the power and the rust belt of the northern establishment. Where is that in 10, 20, 30 years with technology at the horizon of the electrification of vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, of the autonomous drive? And I said, I want to go to the College for Creative Studies to make designers with the ability to dream. I want to make them and educate them as inventors. And that was my take on reinventing the and chairing this new program. I branded it as the designer as inventor. I got a lot of support from the dean, Joanne Healy, everybody at the time, just to roll this out. I was recruiting international talent from India, Korea, from China. I had a lot of those students and I taught them myself about branding, about how relevant it is to have a strategy, the business aspect of every stroke you do. So it was just awesome. But then one day I get a call from the new CEO of Karma Automotive, Tom Corcoran, and he said, like, hey, Alex, I'm the new CEO here with Fisker, and I heard that you are the hero here. Can you imagine to come back? And I said, Tom, I mean, I really like it here, but I never really wanted to leave Fisker Automotive. We had so much going on. We wanted to continue, and I had to leave. So coming back is actually continuing the dream I had. And I spoke with my leaders at CCS, and I apologize, but it just brought me back to what I started. I wanted to finish it. And so I did. And we worked on a complete new electric vehicle platform with several derivatives of different kinds. So it was really not a platform. It was an architecture. I recruited some German talent out of the engineering world to it to help me to convince American platform thinkers in the engineering world about what an architecture means, because that's the difference. And so we did. And we crunched away. I think it was three, four years and had beautiful design model. We had it all figured out and seating bugs and really understood this up until Tom Corcoran retired. A new CEO came from China and he had completely different plans. He wanted to have a partnership with Pininfarina and he said, I don't get the money from the owners to create this all new platform architecture what you guys are working on. And he offered me money to buy me out basically to that I move on. And I said, Oh, well, 
if that's now what the strategy is going to be, let me go back into my consulting business. I took the money, rejuvenated my consulting and the contacts I have and started back sharing what I learned over 30 years. Well, I think you probably made the right move too, not just from a personal satisfaction standpoint, but because obviously you wouldn't be where you are now and we wouldn't be here talking about the Fulminia if you hadn't made that move. I can't imagine a brand being in better hands with more inspired minds behind it than yours and Franco and some of the great partners you have to make Automobilia Stream a, a reality. Thank you so much, Robert. This is awesome. Thanks to Alexander Klott, Chief Creative Officer with Automobilia Streama, for joining us today on Cars That Matter. Come back next time as we continue to talk about the passions that drive us and the passions we drive. This episode of Cars That Matter was hosted by Robert Ross, produced by Chris Porter, edited by Chris Porter, Theme song by Celeste and Eric Dick. Additional music and sound by Chris Porter. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. I'm Robert Ross, and thanks for listening. Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind.